0: everybody and welcome to another edition of the EPL Weekly Podcast. Uh, I've been doing a little round of clubs and today I've, I've got two guys in because they're, they're basically doing a lot of business together. Uh, and there's been a little bit of backward and forwarding and a, a legend of both clubs has, has made a move back. And it's in the floor of Manchester United and Everton. Uh, and joining me on the Everton side, first of all, I have, uh, as usual, Paul the Esk. Paul, how are you? been a while since spoke
1: to you, far too long. How's things? It is, Dave. Uh, very good, thank you. Enjoying the summer, and f- for once, we are uh, early in our business, and we've been the most active in the Premier League.
0: Indeed, and from from a, from a red side of side, what does that feel like? <laughs> because I've, I've forgotten what it's like to sign someone. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 shortage of act- no shortage of activity in, in the Liverpool area, just not around the Anfield area or Melwood area. <laughs> uh, the,
1: uh, I suppose the question for you is when does the activity start, if indeed it's going to start at all. But um...
0: It's the latter <laughs> part I'm more worried about than that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we'll, we'll get into it and, and also joining us from the United side of things uh, in Russia we have Andrew Flint uh, again far too long since I spoke to you Andrew how, how's things with you
2: yeah you're right Dave. it has been a long time I'm, I'm doing alright thanks how, how are you doing over there
0: not too bad not too bad did, did you enjoy your confeds experience um, as I say I I always sort of I always remember the confeds here in Brazil. I always enjoyed it very much. It was like you know, it, it whetted the appetite of what was to come for for twenty fourteen, and and it's almost like when you know when you when you when you get to go to those, it's like you just know that next year it's the big one. Yeah,
2: no, it's been it's been fantastic, really. And um, I got to see the Krestovsky Stadium in Saint Petersburg, which I'm sure most people have seen oh, in these beautiful. pictures or footage. It is absolutely stunning. It's it's one of those. Few places that you can see as many pictures as you like of it, but it still takes your breath away when you're actually standing right outside it. Oh, blimey, it, it is absolutely stunning. But the conference conference cup was great. I mean, it like you say, whetted the appetite and it got a lot of fans into the grounds. One or two of the games were not not completely full, but you know there are a few issues I think with ticket pricing. But the security was good. Um, there was a lot of lot of interest from other countries, and yeah, it was just good to see some decent football play Russia weren't too bad they just a few a few silly mistakes cost them really otherwise it would have been even better but yeah it'd be really good Um, but I'm I'll be honest I'm even happier now that domestic action is already underway over here so um, that's that's my bread and butter really Andrew one, one quick question
1: what was the atmosphere like in the new stadium?
2: I Well, that was the only issue. I didn't actually go inside. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I, I went. I had a. I had a separate job where I was um, photographing the area and the bars and hotels for for fans. And unfortunately, didn't include letting me inside. But um, sniff, sniff. <laughs> I will be there. I'll be there soon. I'll be there soon. Okay,
0: fair enough. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, listen. Let, let's get into it, Paul. I'm going to come to you first, and I think the only the only place to start this um and it's really for both of you really is, is the wayne rooney transfer number one paul i'll pose the question are you happy to see the lad return
1: yeah that's the most difficult question you could have asked me because uh depends what day of the week it is when i get up <laughs> in the morning <laughs> some mornings i'm absolutely delighted other mornings i think hmm i wonder if we're doing the right thing but let's let's deal with the positives first of all it's um We've already had a fantastic uh, you know, close season, and uh, fantastic um uh, transfer window, and it's added to that. It's, galva- it's galvanized. I know a club that's already very excited about the prospects for, for, for the new year. I think it's made people realize how much of an A-list footballer, put aside footballing abilities for a second, how much of an A-list footballer Wayne Rooney is ever since he went to Tanzania. On a very short uh, preseason preseason tour obligation with the, with the, with a the sponsor, and the amount of media attention that he got, as against the amount that the sponsors got and the amount that Everton got, you know, it was for the two days that they were in Tanzania, it was the Wayne Rooney show. And already we've seen, for example, on on, on Twitter, the number of followers that Everton has on Twitter has increased by more than ten percent in 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 the few days that he's been with us. You know, Rooney has. Fifty million social media followers. Uh, Everton has less than five million social media followers. So, you can see the balance there. So, so from that point of view, fantastic. And I do actually think he'll add to the club as well. I think his leadership abilities. Um, I think it was very interesting the way that Manchester, the Manchester United players, when he left, uh, praised him on social media, o- o- almost to a man. Everybody said that they were disappointed that he was leaving and thanked him for his contribution to the club to the team and to their careers in, in, in a number of examples so I think he brings all of that and clearly he's coming home he's coming back to his to the club that he's always supported And um, so all of those are positives the unknown is whether he can recover any of the form that he showed previously but clearly has lost in the last two or three years now the form that he's lost I don't know if he's lost that because of uh, physical attributes I mean clearly he's slowed down Uh, He was never great, very, very fast to begin with, but he's clearly slowed down. Or whether it's a question he was, you know, disinterested to an extent at at Manchester United, that that we don't know. And that's the big, the big question. The big question is: Can he perform at a higher level than he's performed at Manchester United the last two years? And secondly, does he fit into the style of football that Ronald Koeman uh, wants to see from Everton this season? Those questions are only going to be answered when when we start playing competitive games.
0: No, absolutely, and you know I'd, I'd seen this whenever uh, Benitez brought Fowler back, and I think we're it's slightly different. You know, there's a sentimentalism in it, which don't get me wrong. I I love a bit of sentimentalism in football because it's rare these days, given the money and what's at stake and so on. But do do you feel that maybe Rooney? Could hit the ground running, given just a fresh start back to, to back to where he exploded. Like I, I remember it very very well. As a sixteen year old, he just exploded onto the scene. He was magnificent. He was like he was like you know a boy with a man's body and man's strength. He was incredible back yeah. then. And do you think that maybe going back there, it's just a fresh start. It's a it's a new page. You could find that the. You know, and obviously the expectation won't be as great on him, and the pressure won't be as great on him a, a, as at a Manchester United where he was captain and supposed to lead them and so on. It, it, it could have a sort of a, a, a last sort
1: of swan song. I think, I think that's the hope. Ultimately, we've got to trust Coman and Walsh's judgment. I mean, they they've looked at him; they've obviously considered it very hard. Can he do the job that they want him to do? Um, I think it'll be really interesting, and I suppose this depends upon what other transfer activity. Takes place at Everton. It will be very interesting to see where uh, they play him. The indication is that they're going to play him uh, up front, so he's going to be a sort of you know a number nine. They're not expecting him as he did in the latter days in, in with the United to to be coming back into midfield to pick the ball up and then have players in front of him. They're hoping very much that he's going to be you know the man on top. If that if that is the case, then there's obviously there's a question about the amount of pace that's in the Everton side because. In the absence of still more, more signings, there's not a huge amount of pace in in the players that we've brought in this season. So, that doesn't necessarily fit with Coleman's style of play. So, you know that that's an un- unknown. As I say, it's it's it can only be we can only give an answer when uh, he gets on the pitch.
0: And and do you see him as a starter? Before before I bring Andrean in on this one, do, do you see him as as you know
1: one one of the first eleven on on the team sheet each week? I think initially, yes. You know, we've got a very hard beginning of the season where we meet most of the top six teams in in the first six weeks or so. I I think that's going to be the plan while he's fresh, whilst uh, the enthusiasm is at the highest level. And of course, you know, if he does perform well in those early games, that gives some momentum, it gives a foundation uh, through which he can go uh, for the rest of the season. I suspect, assuming that we get through to the group games in, in the Europa League, if there has to, if we have to choose between Premier League games and Europa League games, I think as we get into the perhaps the second third of the season, then the emphasis perhaps might be on European games rather than Premier League games, because clearly that's where his experience will uh, will count. And I suspect, looking you know at the club, what's the club going to do this year? Yes, we'd like to break into the top six, and we might we might do that, but I, I think probably the priority is going to be to get as far as we can do in Europe, prize obviously being uh, to get to the Champions League if you win the Europa League. That may not be possible because of our lack of experience, but I think that should be an objective. And certainly to win some silverware in one of the two domestic cups. I think, you know, Rooney said that he's come back to Everton and he wants to win a trophy before he hangs up his boots. Realistically, he's got two, possibly three, he's got a two-year contract, but he's got two, possibly three years left of his career Um, at the highest level. So you'd have to think that this season represents his best bet to fulfill that uh, ambition.
0: No, absolutely, and from Andrew, from you, from your point of view, um, from the selling side of things, number one, and with with absolutely no disrespect to Rooney, it must be a massive relief for United fans to have that that sort of with those wages off your books, basically. But taking away not taking anything away from from Rooney's career there, which which nobody can touch, you know, he's your record goal scorer. he's, he's been a, a very very good servant to Manchester United. You know, his his time and usefulness maybe has passed at that level. But there must be a tinge of sadness for you with him going.
2: Well, the thing for me with, with Rooney is, I mean, it, you cannot doubt what a stupendously gifted player he has always been. But for me, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be rude to the guy, but for the last, I'd honestly say five seasons, possibly even further back than that, I've not felt like his heart was in it. And I can't blame him for that. If he, if he's a, an Everton fan or he's had a, a disagreement with somebody behind the scenes, I don't know whatever it was. But for me, it was around that season where he scored oh, 30, 40-odd goals for us. Uh, was it 2009-10, I think it was? And then he made that, um, well, I think ill-advised transfer request. And then he made that U-turn. It was pretty much since then. I've not felt like he was really... I and mean, this is the madness of it. He still went on to become, like you say, our all-time top scorer and it's the thing is for me I'm not sort of sad in the way that I would be if he'd been at the top of his game to stay the obvious really um, because I just don't think I don't think it was the right place for him and last season Mourinho clearly was not going to start him as a first choice player so I think for all parties it's best and the wages the, the thing about wages here is, for me, that you look at how much a Premiership footballer is on, and you, you can't compare it to another industry because we were talking off pod, weren't we, about the inflation of prices in football in general. Um, I can't blame him for that. You get the best best wage you can. You're not gonna you're not gonna accept less. But it was just it was an object. It was an elephant in the room the whole time. The amount he was being paid relative to how much impact he had on the pitch, and for me. I, I think it was the right thing. I, I, I don't wish any ill of him, and I hope—I do hope—he has a renaissance of sorts, you know, an Indian summer to his career. That would be—that would be good to see. He deserves
1: that much at least. Um, I just hope not against United. That's all. Andrew, you make an interesting point about um, the last few years uh, at United for Rooney. I think one of the points is that there was actually nowhere else for him to go. So, in a sense, he was stuck at United. He probably didn't want to be there. And for quite a period of time, United did not want him there. But, you know, where else was he going to go? He said that he would never play for another team other than Everton in the Premier League. He's a a local lad. Never, ever saw him going to China. Never, ever saw him going to the US. And it was very unlikely that he was going to play in the latter years for a European team. So I think it was, for me, it's almost a question of uh, circumstances Everson, it's only this year that Everson could afford to pay uh, Rooney's wages, albeit significantly reduced from the wages that he was on at United. So it it couldn't have happened beforehand. We couldn't couldn't have bought uh, Rooney a year ago or or two years ago, certainly. So it had to be this year or or never. And frankly, it seems to me that he's almost been sitting there waiting for this to happen.
2: Yeah, I I think, Paul, you make a good point. Um, it It felt like that, didn't it? You know, he he sort of just realised there wasn't much else he could do. I uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. It's a shame for me that there wasn't perhaps his possibility for him just two or three years earlier. I'd say um, I actually felt for a long time that his natural progression on the on the field at least was going to be to to drop further back. And there was a brief flirtation with him in midfield. I don't know, for a player of his abilities, he should be able to play on for, for quite a few years. But I just get the the feeling, and I always feel a little bit guilty in this sense, that the sort of the joy of the game seems to have been sucked out of him. And I hope he gets that back at Everton. You know, you talked about that pre-season friendly um, in, was it in Tantanier, Ball? Tantanier yeah, yeah. Tantanier, yeah. Tanzania Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you both noticed it, but the that goal he scored, I mean, there's one fairly, fairly famous goal that reminded me instantly of, and just... The reaction you could see in the stands, you know, when he took took that one touch, studied himself, and whipped it over the keeper. I thought, I want to see him score more goals like that, a reaction like that, because he deserves that much. I, I hope it goes that way for him.
1: The really interesting thing about that goal, and I don't want him to do sort of a micro analysis of of, of Rooney, but the really interesting thing, and the, and the big difference between what he brings to the team now and what we had with Lukaku. And Andrew, you're going to see this this season on many, many occasions. Luckman had the ball on the left, and was sort of going into a bit of a blind channel. Had uh, Lukaku been playing in in the centre, Lukaku would have continued his run. And what normally happens in those circumstances is the ball doesn't get through because the the wide player gets blocked out, which it looked like the case with Luckman. You've all seen it. Lukaku's a fantastic finisher, but how many times have you seen him standing on the edge of the penalty area, you know, pointing to the ground, asking for the ball, and then the ball hasn't been delivered to him? Lukaku just makes that straight run all the time towards the uh, 18-yard line. The really interesting bit, if you go back and look at it, about Rooney, was Rooney was level with Luckman. Luckman had the ball on the left, and Rooney did a really intelligent thing that intelligent players do. He actually dropped back. He, he dropped back just just two yards to, towards the uh, halfway line, rather than progressing forward, and that just gave the angle for Luckman to get the ball to him. And then, obviously, as you say, once he got the ball, one touch out of his feet, and he and he hit it. And it it was that movement that, to me, said uh, you know he possibly can do something this year because it was it was a level of footballing intelligence that we've not seen. At the, t- at the top of the pitch in Everton for a number of years, regardless of how many goals um, Lukaku scored.
0: Andrew, here, here's a question for you: You know, how much do you think, without sounding disingenuous, obviously, you know, Mourinho's style is certainly not what is synonymous with the Manchester United sides I grew up watching. Um, you know, it's effective. You got two trophies. Nobody can nobody can argue with that. But it's not the style that you, as a fan, would be used to watching. And I'm just wondering how much that sort of it's a slightly more negative style of football. How much of an impact that had on Rudy, Rooney and maybe how much did it hold him back? Is, is there maybe something still left in Everton with, with maybe a more positive uh, tactical setup?
2: I think certainly the change of style will benefit him a lot. And it is, I, I agree with, I'm um, very interested in how Paul analysed that 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 goal that we mentioned um, that Rooney scored and the the way that Rooney's intelligence uh, has such a can have such an impact on the game. Under Ferguson, I think he did get he did allow at, at least the vast majority of his intelligence to have an impact on the game. But under under Mourinho, yeah, like you say, I think if anything, Lukaku will fit um, Mourinho's preferred style just a little bit more. I mean, I know he likes his forwards to work hard and track back, but I think he will. I think he will notice the the, the benefit that we will have by having a slightly more mobile. Physical presence than than Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic last season was great for for last season, but it was it did start to slightly hold us back because I would like to see, and this is what I'm hoping we'll get out of out of Lukaku is um, is I'd like to see more of a partnership developed. Hopefully, Marcus Rashford. I see Rashford and and Lukaku being a, a lethal partnership potentially, and perhaps you're right. That's that might be part of the reason why really just um it really did well he he just he was barely played was he last season um you know substitute appearances at best i mean you, you talk about the style of of i it wasn't what i expected when he came in i didn't expect him to be quite so practical if i'm honest but i'm i've got to be i've got to be realistic
0: i've i'm fed up of you the, truth, the please, previous you can't, you can't you can't argue like i i take it regardless of how we're playing you know <laughs> No, but we see this. is kind of the point I'm getting to. I mean,
2: we we did get we did get two trophies. No, sorry, three. Come on, three. We did the charity shield counts. Um, but <laughs> no, but <Jan>. seriously, <laughs> 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 we got the treble. We got the treble. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those Reds who goes on a, who bizarrely tried to make it into a treble. But no, but seriously, we we won two trophies last season, and I have to I have to look back at the previous three years and the complete soulless nature of football under um, David Moyes and and Louis van Gaal and it was an improvement on that. There were some games where we threatened to break out into proper free-flowing football but you know it's season in and he can be judged more harshly the longer he stays at Old Trafford but with some of the signings we've made the defence should be much more solid with Lindelof and Bay, and, and Pogba is growing into his role more I don't buy into this whole he's a flop just because of his price though he's a he's a quality player and he got better and better and better as the season went on the potential is still there but it still needs to be realised so I don't mind the style for the, in the short term I'm hoping that With Lukaku at front, he'll realise he needs to get supply lines into him, and therefore players like Rashford and Martial will become more prominent. That's that's what I'm hoping for this season.
0: You know, we'll move on to Lukaku. He's he's been mentioned a few times, and you know, obviously we we've spoken at length a couple of times. We've done a couple of pods on it. You know, will he? Won't he? Well, he he has elected to go to United. I know there was there was a bit of a tug of war between Chelsea and United, but he's gone to United. A lot of money you got for him, but. How does it leave you feeling? You know, it, it, it sort of like when when Suarez left for for Barcelona. It's great having all this money, but it's how you reinvest it again. And you know, Lukaku on his day for me is unplayable. Uh, he, I, I, he's a player I love watching. It's a massive loss for you. Um, how, how do we compensate for that, Paul?
1: Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's a funny one. I mean, I loved every one of his eighty seven goals that he scored for us. Yeah, you know? um, but. All of those 87 goals, I think there's two things to be said. He restricted our style of play significantly. Part of that was because we only played one up front, which you know might might now change. Um, but he definitely restricted our style of play. He made us quite easy to defend against. Um, one of the key things, I think, about Lukaku playing for Everton, and it may change with Manchester United, was that he scored a huge proportion of the chances that he got but he got a relatively small number of chances. So you might think, and I I think it's probably the case, that in a team that produces more chances for him, he's going to score more goals. So having scored 25 goals last season, I think the expectation must be to score 30, 35 goals for a team like Manchester United, which should, on the balance of play, produce more chances for him over the season. So from, from a Footballing perspective, on the one side, yes, we're losing, you know, somebody, a guy who scored 87 goals in four seasons, 25 goals last season. But, as Koeman said himself, he would rather have four or five players contribute 10 to 15 goals than have Lukaku on 25 goals and uh, Barkley on five goals as the next highest scorer in the team. So there wasn't a great distribution of goals outside, outside of Lukaku. So I think, and particularly, you know, in terms of the players that we've brought in, what we're now looking for is for contributions from um around the side, productivity as uh, as Cummin calls it, and uh, creating more chances for, for for more players and having different styles of play. I think anybody that saw Everton last season, as I say, would realise that certainly away from home, where we set up very defensively and try to use Lukaku on the break, we were extremely easy easy to defend against, and that you know that was one of the reasons why. Our away performance last season and our away record was uh, pretty poor.
0: And, you know, a thing for Lukaku, for me, you know, when he when he moved to Everton, it, it appeared to be a lot of money you'd paid for him at, at that time. And isn't that bizarre? Yep. I think he only, wasn't it 25 million you paid for him? 20, 20,
1: 28 in total,
0: yeah. Tw- 28 in total. And, you know, at that time, I remember people saying, oh my God, that's an, that's an absorbing amount of money. for." In today's market, it, it looks like a drop in the ocean. But you've made an excellent profit from him. He's a player that that you know has has had that big price tag. You know, albeit it, it doesn't appear big now. But he carried that uh, when he moved from, from Chelsea. He's been at a big club at Chelsea. Now going back to to, to you know the, probably the biggest club in, in the Premier League in Manchester United. I don't think it's going to phase him too much. I I, Not at all. I sort sure. I expect him to hit the crown running. You know, from an Everton fan point of view, and what you've seen, I take it you would agree with me. To-
1: totally. Yeah, it's interesting. There's, there's quite a few people knocking uh, Lukaku for his attitude, for the fact that you know he never really how do I put it? He never really got the club, got being an in inverted commas. But I don't think he's that type of player. I don't think he's the type of player that really does get a club. You know, in 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 in, in the way that other players do. I think I think he's a he's a very focused individual. I think to him, it's much more important his personal contribution and his personal you know, himself rather than the team. I don't think he's a great team player. I don't think he's a great team man. And that's not criticizing him in any way. It's just making making the comment. I think he's a very, very strong-minded individual. And I think the move from Everton to Manchester United will not phase him at all. In fact, I think he I think he will grow into the challenge. It's going to be frustrating, I think, for a lot of Manchester United fans because they're going to see a player with very obvious weaknesses to his game in certain areas. You know, he's got concrete shins. He cannot trap a ball to save his life. But you give him a chance in the box and he almost inevitably scores with it. So um, he's going to be highly productive in terms of numbers of goals that he scores. But you're going to see weaknesses to his game. But that won't phase him in one bit. One bit at all. He has a belief that he is going to be one of the greatest footballers that have ever played the game. Now he might be in terms of goal scoring, I don't know, but he's certainly not a great footballer. He's a great goal scorer, but he's not a great footballer. Won't phase him at all.
0: And Andrew, do you see this one as the start of maybe a new era? It must be music to your ears. Here, we're both we're both sort of expecting him to hit the ground running, and you know. And <laughs> another thing, you know, you mentioned Pogba there. I don't expect Pogba to be like he was last season. I think we're going to see the best of him this season. We didn't certainly see it. He had that stone around his neck of the transfer fee and whatnot. And I think he'll kind of lose that, especially with this market now. You know, it's like it, the amount of money we, we we talked about it off pod. It's it's an obnoxious amount of money that's firing about, and all of a sudden these transfer fees don't look big anymore.
2: Well, yeah, I think that's, that that actually will be one factor <laughs> at least. And um, I think I think what Paul says about Lukaku's character is is very interesting because it's I, I think I've you know I, I've watched his his hold at play, and I, I know what you mean about his first touch. it's going to be for, it is going to be a frustration, but. We do have a very long history of very difficult personalities, very awkward, very selfish strikers who we've sort of grown to love in a strange way. You know, I'd, I mean, Ibrahimovic has his character when he arrived, I thought, perfect. I'm really happy. That's what I want. I don't care if he doesn't track back. I want him to be a selfish winner who is just going to be obsessed with his goal-scoring record. Get him in the box. Get him to score goals. Van Nistelrooy was another. He never gelled. Never really... And you, you you use that phrase, Paul, to get the club. Van Nistelrooy never really got the club. He was incredibly self-centred. But that's mm-hmm. what made him so good as a, just a goal-scorer. I mean, as a footballer Van Nistelrooy probably probably was a slightly more-rounded footballer. Um, his first touch was very good. And he was very quick as well. Um, but he he lived for goals and that was it. And if Lukaku lives for goals, gets 30 goals, 35 goals um, a season for us, and okay, yes, it will affect the style of play. And in the in the aesthetic sense, it might, might grade a few times. But if he gets those 35 goals a season, all will be forgiven. You know, you, know, you look at the... I mean, look at strikers like... Uh, I don't know like Andy Cole I mean he had better link up play with especially when he was partner uh, to Dwight York but you know he he never really gelled with pretty much anybody in the squad and yet he was a great goal scorer and we, you know he, he was productive and he had a great United career
0: but it could be frustrating as well you know what, what Paul's basically saying there you know that Lukaku could end up frustrating you I think Cole you know for, he he was there's no no taking away his time at Newcastle no taking away his time at United he did the business but you know he needed a lot of chances to score a goal. He maybe scored one, three good, good chances. But at that time, with the, under the Ferguson era and whatnot, you were making those chances for him um, in abundance. I
2: mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, I, I, I am going to have to steal myself for a bit of frustration. It's true. Um, but then again, you know, last season, I, I'm not saying they're the same type of player, but not. But ages and the. the Well, some physical attributes are similar, but certainly Lukaku's pace is different. But with Ibrahimovic, I see some similarities in the way that they occupy the box very well. Ibrahimovic never really tracked back a great deal. And when he did, it was out of pure frustration at how badly we were playing. And then that was the whole team's performance. I never really subscribed to the view that Ibrahimovic should have worked hard. I thought he he played exactly how I wanted him to play, stick up in the box, be a focal point, be a bit angry at players when they're not pulling their weight. With with Lukaku coming in, it could go one of two ways. The pressure and focus of being the 75 million pound man, it may get to it may get to him, but I from what Paul is saying, especially about his his personal character. You know, I, I, that gives me hope. That gives me hope that he, will, he, he won't he will care to an extent. He just wants to score goals and he knows he will eventually score goals because of the chances that hopefully are going to be created for him. What I'm hoping is, though, that the knock-on effect will be the team selected around him. I mean, Lukaku obviously is going to be first choice. So to get the best out of him, He's not going to be expected um, unless Mourinho really is very determined. He's not going to be expected to track back and be the outside of the box striker. That's not him. Therefore, the other players around him are going to have to do that job for him. So, the ones picked are going to have to do a lot of work. Therefore, you know, the Marcus Rashford would be absolutely tailor made to play either alongside him or slightly withdrawn from him, in my view. Um, and that's that's what gives me hope too. It's not just the fact Luke Hart will score goals, but the players needed to help him score goals are the ones I want to see on the pitch. So that's that's my hope
0: No and, and let's get a little bit back to Everton here again, Paul. And you know you've certainly been very active in the market um, and you know you you've a lot of players and do you want to talk me through the highlights of your window so far?
1: <laughs> sure, I think what will turn out to be the most important signing that we made throughout throughout the summer is going to be uh, Jordan Pickford, the uh, the young, goal, young goalkeeper for years That's ever been
0: criticized. It's, it's been criticised heavily uh, in the football community. You know, oh, that was way too much money and not not a keeper of that quality and so on. But in this marketplace, I, I find it very hard to criticise it. This is the way it is. This is the new world. you just got to accept what these clubs are paying.
1: I think you just have to ignore the valuation and, and, and look at it from the point of view that, what did, what, what's, what's coming trying to achieve here? He's trying to build a spine through the team. So, you know, he's, he's acquired Pickford. We haven't had a top quality goalkeeper for many, many years. I think there were a number of years when, when, when Howard was playing at the top of his game where you could consider him to be a good goalkeeper, but not, not a great goalkeeper. I mean, I, I probably go back to Nigel Martin the last time we had a very good goalkeeper and that was only for a very short period of time. And of course, just as there is with other clubs, um, you know, some positions are very important to clubs. Like the number nine at Liverpool is always a very important position. Goalkeeper is very important to Everton because of the deeds of Neville Southall. And I'm not suggesting that Pickford is going to become another Southall way too early in his career to say that. What I am saying is this is the first occasion in uh, nearly thirty years, certainly twenty five years. That we have a young goalkeeper with the potential to become the, the, the rock upon which the the, the team has built. From what I hear about his attitude and about his mentality, the kid lives for football. Um, he's devastated in training when he loses a goal. You know, he's a really competitive individual, and I think he's the type of guy that will absolutely flourish under under Coleman. I think that I think there's two very similar personalities uh, with Pickford. And with Coleman, and of course, the second, I think, the, the the second most important signing is Michael Keane to build that that that, that spine running through the team. I think we still need an, another another um, centre back to go alongside him. Uh, but I think Keane is a really good acquisition, and you know, Andrew, you'll you'll know because um, Keane was quite keen to go back to Manchester United, and in, in the end, um, they decided otherwise. I, I think he's a really, a really, really good player. Okay, he's twenty four. Um, he's still got a few development years left in him. Yeah, I think those two actually are, are the most important signings that we've made.
0: And are you expecting much more, uh, Paul? Obviously, you know you, you've you've recouped this money off uh, off Lukaku. Um, you, you know, there's always that fine line of of, of too many additions
1: um,
0: for Everton this season.
1: What more do you
0: see happening?
1: I think we need a wide player. You know, we're look, we're looking very narrow at the moment, and that that was the hope in terms of, of Sigurdsson. If Sigurdsson comes in. Yeah. Both as a, a dead ball expert, but also a, as a wide player. We certainly need a wide player. We probably need one more um, centre back, as, as I was saying. Midfield, we're absolutely fine. We're full of midfielders. In fact, probably need to get rid of uh, one or two. Um, but another another centre back, you know, Jags has been, a, Jagielka has been a great servant of the club. Um, been there for 10 years. This is his 11th year. And nobody, no Evertonian, is ever going to criticise Jagielka for the effort uh, that he put into his games. But in terms of physicality, in terms of pace, he's on a, 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 a downward trend. And Fumas Mori, well, you know, he's never really been fully accepted at Everton, uh, and now he's injured anyway f- with, with, with a serious knee injury. So another an, an, another, another centre back would be good. The rumours persist, and I, David, I know, I know you will <laughs> be annoyed by this, but the rumours persist, persist that um, Van Dijk might end up at Everton. He has a fantastic relationship with Coleman and Coleman's family. They view him as an additional son. That The relationship is that close, and I know he's expressed a great desire to go to Liverpool and to play Champions League football. But I think if there was going to be a major surprise in the rest of the window featuring either of the uh, the Merseyside clubs, it would be uh, Van Dyke to to Everton. Not saying it's going to happen. But I think that would be the surprise, and it might possibly happen.
0: Well, like I said, if he goes anywhere bar Liverpool, I'll be astounded. Um, you know, I've, I've whispers in me ear from all directions yep. that pretty much this is still going to happen. Well, you know, obviously, whether it, whether that happens or not, we we have the with the two sagas that are going on at the minute with Naby Keita and, and Van Dijk. The fact that we're still there, and you know, Klopp's maybe intimating his patience is running out, and so on with certain things. I, th- I think it's more or less just to say th- to these clubs, you know you can 't wait forever, um you-, you have to sell and certainly the, the info i 'm getting and and, and it 's from really good sources is that Van, Van Dyke should be a Liverpool player by you know by the first week in-, in August, but it's an interesting spin to put it on because there's no there's no two ways about it. Everton wouldn 't be put off by the price tag um and 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 the link obviously to de Comen there, which I knew nothing about throws a different sort of angle on it. It, it. It'll be interesting to see how that one pans out, Paul.
1: Very close family-wise. Uh, they share the same agents. Now, that shouldn't shouldn't matter, really, but it does. The possibility is there. Ultimately, it's down to the player. If, for whatever reason, the player doesn't end up at Liverpool, I wouldn't be wholly surprised if he ended up at Everton. Because, as you say, we can afford him. There's a question mark over how much we would actually pay him, which... Uh, it's sort of the indications are that he would be outside of our price range, but not by much in terms of our, our new wage structure.
0: Well, wait, I think at Liverpool, Paul, they're, they're talking his wages would be around something around the one hundred and eighty to two hundred mark.
1: Yeah, which is beyond where we would go because um, I, I, I suspect one of the conditions that Rooney's gone to the club is that he will remain the highest player while he's there, and I believe he's on one hundred and fifty. Yeah, you know, that that may present a problem, but. Uh, in terms of affordability, we can afford it. In terms of whether we want to or not, is a different matter. And ultimately, in terms of whether the the player himself wants to come to Everton, is, is a different matter. But you know, I think for the first time in many years, we can say, probably optimistically at this stage, rather than realistically, that we are in with a chance of a player of that quality and with the ambitions that he has. And that's a, I think that's a an indication of how far we've moved. In the sixteen or seventeen months since um, Mascheri uh, acquired half half of the club, I think the change is enormous, and it's only now that I think that um, football is beginning to wake up to that.
0: Andrew oligarchs, eh? him with a bad my advice. What have you made of all these goings on at Everton? Um, you know, obviously, you know there'll be a couple of transfers back and forth between the two clubs. But you know, I, just to hear the joy in Paul's voice, you know, it, it's been it's been a long time coming for Everton. But what have you made of this business? Well,
2: I think they've done very well to to put it to put it bluntly, really. And and it's like I said, uh, like I said off pod, I I'm just delighted to see as many clubs in a strong position as possible. And you know, Everton now are looking very very dangerous. To be quite honest with you, you say you know the the long time in that it's been. The top six, the top six. But quite honestly, how on earth can you guarantee what the top four, five, or six is even going to be this season? To keep Everton out of that top six now with the side they've now got lined up, it's going to mean all of last season's top six are going to have to perform at their best. And I, I would, I would say, Everton would be disappointed not to be. And I'm sure Paul will agree. Um, would be very disappointed not to qualify for Europe this season. It doesn't. It would be a hell of a task to do that. But then. I think another player that you know that Everton have signed that I'm really really interested to see is um, is is Davy Klaassen. I'm, I'm interested to see how how much he will be able to control and dictate play because he clearly is a, a an excellent passer of the ball. And I'm, I like players who do what I just simply say simple things really well, really brilliant passes. So if he is going to be uh, allowed a bit more licence to get forward, um, you know, how he'll link up with Rooney could potentially be very interesting to see. Yeah, I, I, I say bring it on, bring on the challenge. Um, it's another club that United are going to have to work hard to get past, so
1: yeah, congratulations Everton so far. It's an interesting point that you make about class in, in terms of being able to get higher up the pitch. Defensive midfield is one area where we're not short, so regardless of who we play with, Schneiderlin is when fit and norm- normally fit he's going to be first on, on on the team sheet and then it's a question of um, do we play um, Igana Gay alongside him do we play Barry and I'm, I think Barry will get some some more game time than people think particularly again in, in the in the European games and also don't forget we've got Besic that's just coming back from long term injury and in fact Besic uh, in the game against, albeit in Tanzania uh, actually, played um, centre half for the for the, for the half that he he played. So, in terms of defensive uh, midfield, you know, w- w- we're covered plenty. So, the ability and the uh, the license, as you say, to get forward for Clausen shouldn't shouldn't be an issue. The only, one question I have, Paul, actually, on that
2: yep. thing is, what do you see this having an impact on? You know, for the likes of Ross Barkley and uh, Tom Davis, do you think they will get slightly less game time from now on, or do you think they'll think, be I, very... I don't think Ross
1: Barkley will be an Everton player by the beginning of the
2: season. Right. Um, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing a place in the tide for him
1: with Klaassen there. No. That's, no, That's my concern. No, and and you know, it's it's this is a, a very interesting point. I think Cummins ran out ran, as run out of patience with, with Barkley. He. Gave him various opportunities throughout last season to demonstrate where he wanted to play, what his best position was, and everything. Else. And I know the statistics look look like Barkley had a very influential season that season, but he didn't, frankly. And Evertonians love the guy because he's a, he's from Liverpool, he's a local lad, his local lad done good. He's had some terrible injuries early on in his career, overcome them. And he's, you know, he has looked like he has the potential to be a great, great footballer. But the fact is that he hasn't kicked on. And even today, if you've got 20 Evertonians in a room, we wouldn't be able to agree where his best position is. And it's just a shame at 24, sometimes there comes a point where you have to say the relationship with the club, for whatever reason, be it the pressure of being a local lad, be it the relationship with the manager, whatever, isn't working. And he's been given the opportunity to sign a new contract, which both he and his management team have steadfastly refused to sign. And that indicates to everybody with a year left on his contract that he no longer wishes to be at the club. And and the great shame is, is that somebody just hasn't come out and said that. You know, I'm sorry, I'm an Evertonian. I've had a great four, five, six years since being a teenager playing for the club. It doesn't. it's not working I, I, I need to move on the question is of course where did he move on to it's rumoured that Tottenham are interested but you can't see him getting a huge amount of time in the Tottenham team at present I think Arsenal is a possibility for him but he doesn't seem like the type of player that would go overseas so he's probably going to stay in the Premier League but it's Arsenal or Tottenham I can't think of another club unless he wants to go to somewhere like West Ham where um, he is going to get game time, but obviously it's I, I've a... I've
0: got a deal for you. How, how, how does this float your boat? You give us him, we'll give you Sacco. You need a defender. We need to get rid of because <laughs> well, not, not that we need rid of him, but Klopp won't play. And there you go. There, don't even need to move house. There we are. Let's resolve it.
1: <laughs> but if he stays at Everton, if he does sign a contract, um, it's difficult to see how he's going to, going to get a huge amount of game time unless he impresses hugely... The rest of the close season and off the pitch, it, it just just can't see it happening. So I, that's why I made the statement. I know it's a bold statement. Yeah. I,
2: th- I think what you say makes a lot of sense, Paul. And the thing is, I've always been a, a huge admirer of of his talent. But I agree with you. Last season, I I haven't seen the statistics that you know that you alluded to, but his his overall demeanour and and attitude around the place it just didn't seem. Like either he was trusted or that he was motivated. I don't know what the, fact, the main factor was, but I think it would be a crying shame if his talents were lost completely to football. I think he needs to get a his next move is very very important. I say like you mentioned, this summer particularly is a very very important summer for him because he makes the wrong choice now, the wrong move now. It could it could ruin the next season. Um, and after which his reputation may go down to the top. Don't come in for him, and he doesn't get a move that where he could really flourish at the top level. And I think that would be a shame for, for English football as well. I, I you know, two or three years ago, I thought this is going to be a guy that's um, going to offer, you know, something on the on the level, perhaps not quite as the Gascoigne level, but that type of creativity. And I thought I was excited. Um, now I I just don't know what's going to happen to him. So I hope. I hope he does get a move, um, and I hope it is to a club where he gets game time. Perhaps Arsenal's not the worst choice in the world, actually.
1: I, I just I echo the sentiment in terms of, if he does leave the club, he'll leave with a great deal of uh, goodwill towards him. Everybody will want to see him you know, fulfil his potential. There will be disappointment, obviously, that he hasn't done it at Everton, but I don't think anybody necessarily holds much against him for not having done it.
0: As I say, time's marching on, this gents here. And, and Andrew, I know... There's not been a great deal, you know, we've discussed the two signings that you have made uh, with United. Are you expecting more? How, you know, how far off do you think you are from your starting 11 at the minute? You know, given there was a heck of an investment there last season uh, that you made, but to me, I think you're still maybe short a couple.
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't think we're a long way off, but what's slightly... I, I don't know what to make of the this talk over Ivan Pedisic. It does seem in the last few days like it's more likely to happen. But it's... I mean, I'm not doubting that he's a quality player. I don't watch um, Serie A regularly, so I can't comment on his his recent form. But he's, he has a reputation. He's a, he's a very creative player. But he's not the sort of player I think we ought to be going after. We are absolutely full of, you know, inside forwards, wide players, uh, attacking midfielders. We, I don't, I don't think that's where we need uh, any extra investment. I think we possibly need one more midfielder, and I would get, i will get a fullback. We need a replacement. replacement. It sounds like Luke Shaw's gone forever, but I just, uh, I think the way that Mourinho's dealt with Luke Shaw has not got the best out of him. I can see what he was trying to do. You know, play the hard, tough school teacher if you'd like to try and motivate him to prove Mourinho wrong but it's just it's not it's not working basically and even if it is he's injured half the time anyway Um, so I think we certainly need a full back and I would say possibly another centre midfielder and then honestly I'd be I'd be relatively relatively happy from there on make centre back first choice centre back partnership of Baye and Lindelof looks looks excellent on paper I think they will complement each other very well. I mean, okay, possibly if we're talking long-term, then maybe another centre back is covered. But other than that, I'm relatively, relatively happy. Now I've I've seen talk. I don't know if you you boys have any more insight on it um, about Nemanian Matic on and off over the last few weeks. I actually would be quite happy to see Matic come. I think it would be I think he's a very good player, very tall, imposing. We know Mourinho likes his physicality. And I think him alongside uh, alongside possibly Pogba, um, whether Pogba plays further forward, I don't particularly mind really. So I think we are probably, Mourinho said all along he wants four signings and he said, we've got two, we're going to get two more. So I think we're going to have two more arrivals. And it looks like Perisic plus one more. So whether it's Matic as well, I don't know. But give him Matic and I'll be happy.
0: Now, given, you know, we talk about the, the Mourinho second season syndrome. Now, he didn't do half bad for you in his first season. What kind of expectations do you have, Andrew, for, for this season You know, in, in real terms? The, the, the big boys haven't, you know, Arsenal bought Lacazette. You know, Liverpool are faffing about there. Chelsea haven't really done that much of the, the, the whole Diego Costa thing there it's hard to sort of get the picture of of you know the, the the top six of last season you know what will happen there certainly everton throws a curveball into it what do you, what do you see for your season I think we will improve on sixth place
2: I do think that I mean it's every club is going to be try and be optimistic at the beginning of the season but I think it does it's slowly starting to look like uh, Mourinho is guessing the players he wants last season. There were clearly a lot of players he wasn't happy with, at least in the roles that they were playing. Anthony Martial, for example, just wasn't used um, remotely in the way that he should have been. And I'm hoping we'll start to see a bit more of him. It, like I mentioned earlier with Lukaku as the focal point, it changes things in the attacking three behind him, if you like. And if he can get the best out of players like that, and now that you know Lindelof has arrived, uh, Lukaku, I'm virtually hoping is guaranteed goals I'd be surprised if he didn't get 30 plus and with those ingredients plus one more midfielder for for squad depth if you like I really do think we have a we, we've got to be aiming we've got to be aiming minimum aiming for top four whether we'll get top four well it's going to be a challenge I've never been entirely convinced by by Arsenal's Strength of character over a season. Last season, they surprised me getting fifth. If I'm honest, so I think I think Arsenal are a team that could be overtaken. I think top four is the is is the minimum. How far we go in the Champions League this season, I'm not. I, I don't know. I don't mind. In, if we get to the knockouts, I'll be happy enough for now. Um, next season, we need to kick on from that. So, top four for me, I would, a title challenge, I would hope for. But as a as a minimum target, I'd say top four.
0: No, I hear you on that, Paul. Yourself, I, I see Tottenham sitting at the minute, and, and you know there, there's not an awful lot of rumours around. And, and, and of those six, I think that they they could be the ones. I could be completely wrong. There's a long way to go in the window, but as it sits today, they they look the ones um, certainly on activity and so on who look most likely are the most likely to be challenged. I think at the moment, you know, for, for you getting into the, that breaking into that top six or making a top seven um, is is vitally important this season. What way, you know? Obviously, you, you have a lot of different parameters to to all come together of gelling of squad and so on. But realistically, how do you see the season panning out?
1: I think I think the top seven is almost guaranteed because there's such a gap now between ourselves and you know those middle-ranking clubs are probably not going to be involved in relegations. So, you know, you West Brom, Southampton, um, Stoke City, for example, the, the Crystal Palace possibly you'd include in that. So there's there's, the seven clubs, which I now think Everton need to be part of rather than just the top six. And assuming that one of the top seven win the domestic trophies, which seems to be a fairly good bet, then those seven places will get European football next season. So the objective would be to be in the top seven. If we're seventh, I think that means that we've come bottom of of our league uh, and we should do aim for better than that. I think you're right in terms of vulnerabilities. I think Tottenham are vulnerable. Uh, I think uh, the fact that they're playing at Wembley, all of their home games this season, is it going to be a huge factor given the strength of their performance at White Hart Lane last season. It's almost impossible to imagine that they can replicate the White Hart Lane form at Wembley. Um, so they're going to lose points based, uh, relative to their performance last season for sure. And I have to say, Dave, I think uh, Liverpool at the moment are looking like a club that uh, are at best standing still. I don't know where the progress is going to come from if there's no um, transfer activity. And I'm not saying this just because I'm an Evertonian and it doesn't necessarily bring me any great pleasure to say it. It just seems that the um, progress has stalled for a number of reasons.
0: Mm, That's fascinating because okay as, as I sit here <laughs> my, my, my sources tell me Navigator is the ne- is our next signing there's, yep. there's a, and and I know there's a whole argument out there on Twitter about it not not happening and whatever but the, the information I have and, and from really really good good sources is that, that this is this is happening and also uh, uh, Virgil van Dyke is happening yep plus a surprise so look as it stands today I cannot I cannot put a case against you but certainly the information that I would have um, you know, if you put a Virgil van Dijk and an Abbey Keita into Liverpool, it, it's a, a very different dynamic animal. I think Keita chain is a game changer if we, if we sign him. Van Dijk, again, I would expect a, a, an easy transition should he come. Um, and and it's who partners him really? It would would be would be the question. Mm-hmm. Um, we've bought this young lad Robertson as well, um, who seems to be a, a really good up and coming left back, and uh, he, I'm hearing really really good things about him. Get James Milner away out. Uh, from what I'm being led to believe, Milner will start the season at left back. Palm on forehead as I speak. But, uh, you, you know, we, yes, I can see why at, at this moment in time, I think it's a completely fair statement that you've made around Liverpool, Paul, I couldn't argue.
1: If, if you make those signings, I'm happy to come back on August the 31st and say, you know, actually, you, you're, you're, you're going to have a better season than I anticipated. The, the problem is, if you don't make those signings, a lot of people are going to be asking questions as to why you didn't make them because ostensibly you should you should be making signings of of that nature you have the fund we think you have the funding you have a very high profile manager who's supposed to be very highly respected within the game all the ingredients are there if if it doesn't happen i think i think the uh, the management and the board of liverpool have a, an awful lot of questions to answer
0: do you know what? I, I think a lot of this is, and, and, and please, absolutely no disrespect to the club. Sure. But a, a, cl- a club like RB, RB Leipzig, who are pretty new kids on the block sort of thing, are enjoying their moment in the sun in this media circus that's surrounding them. It certainly raised their profile worldwide immensely, Yeah, yeah. you know, dealing with a club like Liverpool who have that global profile and so on. And I think that they're really relishing this. And, you know, I, I do believe that the deal will go through. And I think that the delay on it is the mac. It's the world that we were talking about pre pod. You know this this global multimedia world, and RB Leipzig are in this spotlight, and I don't think they want to. Let, I want to think. I think they want to maximise that for as long as they possibly can.
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you. I mean, for Red Bull, this is fantastic. So, that um, they will want it to continue, and Liverpool are only going to get more and more desperate as time goes on. So. This may run and run towards the end of the end of the window. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's an. Old, I know you're saying that you've got contacts that are saying otherwise, um, but at the moment, it to me it doesn't seem like there's any great evidence that it is going to be completed uh, anytime soon.
0: Oh no, anytime soon, I, I can I can buy into. But, but uh, <laughs> by the end by, by the end of the window, I'm I, I'm assured. Uh, you know, the Van Dyke one comes with its own problems and, and its problems of of their own making, which are schoolboy incompetence but but that's another podcast. Listen, we we rambled on chaps and I know you've another engagement Paul. So I'll I'll do a quick run around the table for mentions and plugs. Uh, I I'll, I'll start off with Andrew. Working with Find You, what are you working on? Delighted to have you back on the uh, the Russian Football News Pod as well.
2: Yeah, no, it's been good to, good to, to get that up on the platform. Um, so, yeah, more Russian Football News Podcasting. Um, and I will be doing a lot more Russian Premier League coverage. Um, I'm trying to get onto Russian radio at the moment, actually. And. Uh, Capital FM Moscow, I made a brief appearance last week, so I'm going to do more regular stuff with them. You can uh, you can listen online at capitalfm.moscow, if you so
0: choose. Is that in English, Andrew, or or, or in Russian?
2: It is in English, yes. Um, excellent man. Alan Moore is hosting that every Wednesday. They do a sports chat, so I'm going to go on more regularly with him, I hope. Um, and these four Times Magazine... Uh, I'm uh, editing and contributing to that too so that's uh, that's something to look forward to as well
0: and where do I find you on Twitter?
2: at Andrew M-I-J
1: Flint
0: that's cool and Paul yourself where can we find you anything you're working on anything you want to, uh, want to plug far away the floor is yours
1: uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Esk all one word T-H-E-E-S-K doing a number of podcasts which uh, seem to have gone down very well on the business of football uh, looking specifically at Everton but uh, also talking about wider issues, and um, you can get most of my writings on uh, the ESC.org if um, if you're so inclined.
0: Well, I would recommend, even as a read, I would recommend people go and read that uh, because <laughs> you're, you're in, no, your insight on Everton is always spot on, Paul, and uh, it's, it's always a pleasure listening to you, always a pleasure reading what, what, what you put out there. But listen, from my own point of view, just our pods are slowly but surely creaking back into action again. Um As I say, I'm I'm continuing. I'm going to try and get around all the Premier League clubs before the start of the season, um, see what's going on there. But it's been fantastic talking to the two guys today. And just thanks again so much for your time. And thanks for the listener. Until the next one, it's goodbye.